Hey everybody and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay and today we're doing things just a little bit different. As you probably looked for the broadcast and couldn't find it exactly at 4 o'clock Eastern or 3 o'clock Central, it's because we're streaming live today from Martin Baptist Church. Amen. We, we had a lot of things going on at, at uh, church in our day today, so I uh, wasn't able to get a, a video made for you with the captions and the different scripture titles and everything, but on the exchange of that, well, you get it live. Amen. So, Praise God, what you see right now is actually really happening instead of being recorded around 7 o'clock in the morning. And, and amen. So you get all of the mistakes and the pauses and the sniffles and everything else that haven't been edited out. So praise the Lord that we're together uh, at this time and in this venue. And that's a joy. So with that, we're going to get ready to go into the Word of God today. We're going to be over in Proverbs chapter number 11 as it is Wisdom Wednesday today. So uh, get ready for that. In Proverbs chapter number 11, we're going to start off in verse number 20 and we're going to work our way to the end of the chapter today at 31. That way we can start up in Proverbs 12 next week. So with that, we're going to turn to the Lord now in a time of prayer together and, and rejoice in what he's going to do in us, with us, and through us. Father, we are grateful for everything that you have done for us this day. Father, here in North Dakota, we've had a, a beautiful saturating rain that's been happening all day, and we thank you so much for this rain, even though, Lord, it's at the end of the season, not at the beginning, for we know that with this rain comes the hope of a of a wonderful season in our future. And so that, Father, we are a people who look forward to those things which are going to come to pass instead of looking backward at those things which have been. We pray that you will give us a blessing this day from the Word of God that we may receive of the richness of it. We pray that you will, Lord, just carry us through. And, and, and we're just grateful. We lift up those, Lord, that are struggling, those that are hurting today, those that are battling with illness and, and struggling through the, the health conditions that they, they have. We pray that you will bring comfort, Lord, to those that are grieving the loss of their loved ones. We pray that you will bring peace and comfort to the hearts of those that that are having to work, Lord, and just day in and day out, they're putting their lives to the the, the mill, and Lord, they're just, they're working. We pray that you will give rest to those who could receive it. We pray that you will give blessing to those who truly need it. And we ask that you will be with us now as we gather together in this time of study, that we may be able to rejoice in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. And that's a simple truth, guys. We, we look to God this day that he would, he would just be with us, and that he would bless us. And so what a thrill to begin in the reading of his word today in, in Proverbs chapter number 11 in verse number 20 to start with. The scripture says, Those of a crooked heart are an abomination to the Lord, but those of blameless ways are his delight. Be assured, he says, an evil person will not go unpunished, but the offspring of the righteous will be delivered. Like a gold ring and a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. Now, the desire of the righteous ends only in good, the expectation of the wicked in wrath. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. 
Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. The people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. Whoever diligently seeks good seeks favor, but evil comes to him who searches for it. Whoever trusts in riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like green leaf. Whoever troubles his own household will inherit the wind, and the fool will be a servant to the wise of heart. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. If the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner. Mm. So a lot of beautiful connections that are made in the reading of this section of Scripture here, for instance, is found in verse number 20, the crooked, those of crooked heart. Uh, as referred to in, in different manners, you would find from the King James language those of a forward heart being are an abomination to the Lord, a very, very crooked or forward. Another way to say it found from the New King James is those who are of a perverse heart heart so that you see that these words that carry the similarity of connotation to them but the strength of the word comes to the position from just being forward to understanding that this word defined as perverse or as it would be uh, crooked as plain and simple uh, a heart that is perverse before the lord is a heart that that desires pleasure a heart that desires uh, wants the things of the nature of the flesh the, the lust of the eyes as it was referred to in first john chapter number two from verses 15 to 17 the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh and the pride of life and these things be a perverse heart before the lord as is that our heart is to be given unto the word of God so that we may glean from the righteousness of God and so that we may correct the error of the sinful nature of our flesh and bring it unto subjection. Justice would be revealed also in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 as we seek to pull down the strongholds that, are, that exist in our flesh by bringing every thought subject to Christ. So that we would understand that, that if indeed we would find within our own selves, even though, by the way, even though we are the children of God, but that we would find within our own selves this, this perverseness, these desires that have often beset us, as would be found in Hebrews chapter number 12, in verse number 1 and 2, that it would say, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that does so easily beset us, that we may re return to the author and finisher of our faith, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that we would, re we would understand as being children of God, that, that even us, we can, we can fall to the perverseness that we would find in our own heart. Because as much as we are the children of God, we are still trapped in the nature of this flesh that, that we've lived in before submitting to the will of God and receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior. So this does not excuse us from even having, though being a child of God, a perverse heart. It can still exist within us. 
and so that we must give consideration today to the wisdom that is revealed from Solomon to think about what we're thinking about, to consider the nature of our life and the things that we think and the way that we apply our life to God's kingdom as concerning our service to God. Because we may find that, that there are many perverse ways in our life. And it's something to think about that the scripture reveals because he says those that are of a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord. Now, this word abomination is a very powerful word in, in scope of the point that it is something that is so disgusting. I don't know if you've ever eaten something like this, but as soon as it as soon as it went into your mouth, as soon as it touched your tongue or the palate of your mouth and you tasted this just awful, nasty taste. You just, as soon as it went in, you just, you just spit it right out because it it was so dreadful that that nothing of of about you, nothing of you could could receive this. It just spit it out of your mouth, and that is what this word abomination means. And he says that those who have a perverse heart are just that way with God. Now, another way to explain it would be found in um, Revelation chapter number three. At the end of the chapter, you're dealing with the church at at, uh, Laodicea. The church at Laodicea is known as one that will be spewed out of the mouth of Jesus. He said, I would that you were either hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. This is the concept of a perverse heart and the nature of being an abomination before God. So that we who are believers uh, in Jesus Christ of the church today, as we claim to be believers, as we attend church, but we do not share our faith, we do not exercise the gospel in our lives, we we basically just show up to church and it should be sufficient. It's understood that because our heart is given over unto so many other things that, that the Lord would be so very small a part of our overall life, that, that there is a position that we would be Laodicean as being lukewarm and neither hot nor cold. And at the point of us being lukewarm and not hot or cold in the in the service of our king, that that we may have to face Proverbs eleven twenty as an abomination before the Lord. And it's a scary thought to consider, isn't it? Because what does it mean this hot or cold? Jesus would say, "I would rather that you were hot or cold." So many other teachers would say that that the position of hot is being a servant of God and and, and a a child of God and in teaching and preaching and in proclaiming and evangelizing all of these other things you find in church. Whereas the cold would be somebody lost, somebody disconnected, somebody that isn't even a part of the faith. And so Jesus would rather you were a child of God or that you were not a child of God. But to be a child of God that lives like he wasn't a child of God is no good. Well, in that one point, of course we agree. Because as as understanding, if you are a child of God, and this was a book that I had read, I man, it must have been 11 years ago now. But it was called A Christian Atheist. And, and the premise of the book was uh, people who say that they believe in God, but live their lives as though God doesn't exist. 
and to understand that that my words are cheap the activity of my life is what's going to make the difference for the world to be able to know jesus or not know jesus so even though i go to church and even though i say i'm a christian if my life is being lived like i don't believe in god even though i say i believe in god people aren't necessarily as much listening to what i have to say as watching the way i live if my life is consistent with the things that I'm saying, now they're listening to what I'm saying because they see it. But if my words are not consistent with the way in which I'm living, they just see the way I'm living and say, yeah, right, like I want to have that God, like I want to be that guy or go to that church. And, and so we understand that the heart is the area by which all of these activities of my life are going to come from. My heart isn't what's coming from my words. My words are coming from a heart. And so it is understood that, that the heart is the governor of the entire vessel. From the point of thinking to the point of doing, this is the heart. And so that we would discover that if my ways, as I, as I reflect upon who I am in Christ, and, and if I think about the activities of my life and the fact that I'm doing more to the satisfaction of my own self, more to the satisfaction of my own desires than I am serving my king, than I am before the Lord as an abomination, for my heart is perverse. And I have to think about that. And thus it comes down in verse 20 as well, and he says, But the blameless in their ways are his delight. Now, blameless in their ways. Of course, there are several different scriptures. When you look up the word blameless, uh, there are a ton of different scriptures that you can that you can access to this point, understand what blameless is, right? So if I consider blameless in their ways, well, of course, a pastor, for instance, as we would study 1 Timothy chapter number 3 and look at the qualifications of what it would mean to be a pastor, uh, or as it was referred to in 1 Timothy chapter 3, a bishop, is to be blameless before God and man as concerning belief and doctrine in their teaching, right? Because they have to be able to be able to, to teach. They have to be uh, level-headed. They have to be calm. They have to be able to have ruled their own house well because if they can't take care of their wife and kids, how in the world are they going to take care of the house of God, right? So we understand that this is all connected to the position of being blameless. And so the blamelessness that I may possess is not because of my own ability or of my own righteousness or of my own uh, whatever standing before God. The blamelessness that exists inside of the person whose heart is not perverse but pure is the Holy Spirit working in them is the testimony of Jesus that lives through them to the world. That is the blamelessness of, of this person. Because if you ask any one given person, you're going to discover the imperfection very quickly, aren't you? I mean, uh, I looked in the mirror today. Enough said. I mean, the imperfections of a person, right? So it isn't a natural born blamelessness because we have been perfect. It's kind of like that conversation that existed between Jesus and that rich young ruler where he says, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus spoke to him. And of course, at first he says, Why do you call me good? This is important to our lesson today because we're dealing with the situation of what is good, what is pure, what is not good, which would be evil, the opposite of good, which would be perverse. And so he says, why do you call me good, Jesus does to this rich young ruler? He says, there is none good, 
but one, and that is God. Well, the rich young ruler just totally bypasses all of that. He doesn't even answer the question. Okay, so it's important for us, maybe if we skip over that, maybe we miss out on the reality of God's goodness and our need, and, and maybe we, we might have a perverse heart. But if we stop and answer the question is because we acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the very glory of God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Or as it would be in reverse, God, the Son, that he is our Messiah, that he is our Savior. And so that our blamelessness does not come from us. It comes from him dwelling within us, the Holy Spirit. So that Jesus would go on to speak to that rich young ruler and he would say, well, you, you know the commandments. Well, oddly enough, there's plenty of Christian today that would just completely deny the commandments. They would say, well, no, uh, I don't have to keep the commandments of God because I'm saved in the new covenant and the new covenant has done away with the old covenant and so the law of God no longer applies. That doesn't even make sense when you say it, though, does it? Because the law of God is the reason why you needed the new covenant to begin with. Because the law of God of the Old Testament still applies against the center of the New Testament today. And when the center of the New Testament today is met by the law of God and they receive it to their heart and understand their need for repentance unto salvation, they cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ and so that the law has done its perfect work and being the schoolmaster that educated us to the point that if we did not turn to the Messiah that we would die, <laughs> period. But so that we would turn to the Messiah and receive salvation through his grace, through the grace of God, of course, that we understand that now we are bar mitzvah. We are sons of, of the commandment now. We are sons of God, and God is his word, and his word is his loss. We are bar mitzvah at that point. We're sons of the commandment, or bat mitzvah, daughters of the commandment. And so much that we would say in the beginning was the word. What is the word but the commandment? And the word was God, and the word was with God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, begotten, not made, begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Imagine the thought at this point that, that Jesus would then say, you know the commandments, and this rich young ruler now is at the position of having to answer to being blameless before the commandments. He said, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. Don't don't commit adultery. These, these simple things. Well, that, that one rich young ruler, he said, well, all of these things I have kept since my youth. Well, the reality is, is that if you say you've never lied, you just lied about not lying because there's never been a person who has not lied about something. <laughs> Plain and simple. If you say that you've never stolen anything, but you don't realize what the, what the meaning of the word to steal is. I mean, it's something so simple as taking a toy from your brother. You say, well, that's not really stealing. I mean, just because they were playing with it and I took it out of their hands because I was mad at them and I wanted to play with it and I ran off with it and it broke their heart. And, but that's not theft. It's not like I stole a car or, or, or pickpocketed someone or, or, or did shoplifting at a store where I actually broke the law law. But what you fail to understand is that in stealing that toy, even though it was within the home and even though it belonged to your brother, stealing that toy was a violation of God's law. For it belonged to another and you did not ask for it. You took it. 
That is a violation of God's law. And so, so Jesus, when he says to this rich young ruler, don't steal, don't kill, don't, don't do these things. And this guy said, everything that you've said, I've kept since my youth. Right then and there, you have a man who sees himself as being blameless. You have a man who sees himself as being righteous. But the reality is, is that he has not seen the reality of his crime before God. Therefore, he's never repented of his evilness, of his evil ways. Whereas a sinner that has confessed his sin and has acknowledged his evil and has repented of his wicked ways, then can take on the mantle of being blameless, for it is not he who is blameless, but that he has been cleansed of the Lord and been forgiven and set free. And so that being blameless, it isn't by his own merit or by his own way, but through the Lord that has entered him and sealed him by the Holy Spirit and has, has given him the ability to be righteous before God because of Jesus's righteousness, to be blameless before God because of Jesus's blamelessness. This is the connection to those that are blameless in their ways, and that is why they are a delight to the Lord, and that he rejoices in their, their work, and he rejoices in their fellowship, and he rejoices in, the, in, in their ways because they're honoring him through being faithful to his Son that has sealed them unto the day of their salvation. That's why they're a delight. But now you can also understand why the perverse heart would be such an abomination as well. It's because it would be that of lip surface without a true meaningful connection of relationship. And nobody likes to be patronized. Nobody likes to be spoken to as though they were a dear friend, even though they've been treated very harshly or slighted by another. Nobody likes that. But the things of man are only temporary to the things of man. The way in which man deals with God is eternal. And so that we understand that. He says in verse number 21, I love this, uh, the, understand the beginning of this phrase. We'll look at it from a couple of different translations, but the, the words that are added to Scripture in order to make a coherent sentence. So, in the New King James, it says in verse number 21, Though they join forces, the wicked will not go unpunished, but the posterity of the righteous will be delivered. Now, it says, though they join forces. So let's take a look at that uh, from the King James perspective. It says, though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished. Well, let's take a look at it from my one of my other favorite translations. It says, uh, in verse number 21, it says, Depend on it. The evil will not go unpunished, but the offspring of the righteous will escape. Uh, and, and, and of course, from the English Standard Version, it says, Be assured an evil person will not go unpunished. Well, this is a, a very keen point, especially when you come to this this idea that uh, New King James and or the King James Bible they say, though they go hand in hand, that means that a group of people are going to come together for the purpose of, of conquering, which was easily said in the New King James, though they join forces. He says that the wicked will not go unpunished. Well, 
we often hear it today. You know, if God is a loving God, or if God is such a God of justice, then why are the things going on in the world the way that they're going on? I mean, we've got the insanity of our current federal government. We've, we've got all of these different mandates that are completely unconstitutional, but nothing's being done to shut them down, as we could see from a media perspective. You've got, you've got state governments, flipped upside down, local governments going crazy, issues popping up in public education sectors and all of these different things, even to the scope of false prophets and false pastors and false teachings galore happening throughout all of these different denominations uh, within the religion that is happening in the United States. And you say, well, well wait a minute, when is that going to be dealt with? When is it going to be judged? For we want truth. We want righteousness. We want holiness back into our nation. When are these things going to be judged? Well, we see from Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 21, though they join forces, and of course, multiple unions have joined forces in, in, in manipulating different things that are happening right now in the education sector. We've got lobbyists and unions uh, influencing heavily the decisions that are being made by Congress in Washington. And then there's the White House. Don't get me started. And, and we have all of these different forces that, that have been joined together for the ultimate purpose of trying to destroy a nation so that when the United States falls, the entire world that ultimately used this nation as a hinge pin for sanity, the whole world would fall if the United States fell. And so there are forces joined together to try and, and destroy a, a nation that's foundation was built on Christ, was built on the Word of God, as revealed by the writings of the forefathers, the Constitution itself, uh, the, the, the Bill of Rights, the, the Declaration of Independence in connection to the Constitution, the Federalist Papers, and, and description of the Bill of Rights, I mean, the whole nine yards was founded upon Christ. No wonder the devil hates it so much, hey? No matter, no wonder that, that they would join forces for the purpose of crushing this nation. But Christians arise. Christians, don't let this stuff get you down. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Make your voice known. Speak truth. Return the Christian moral base back to this nation. Hold leaders accountable. It's entirely possible if we were actually Christian again instead of this modern concept of Christianity. Maybe we need to go back a little Old Testament to be able to catch up to, to being what we ought to be in the New Testament time that we live in. He says the, the, the comfort that we have in all of that rant that I just gave was that the wicked will not go unpunished. Yes, we may feel powerless to change anything in our society or in our state or in our local government. We, we may think that we feel powerless and, and they make you feel powerless. They make you feel petty. They make you feel stupid. They make you feel alone. 
that they make you feel bad for for holding on to Christian morals. They make you they make you feel a lot of things defeated. And we might may feel that way, but we have to understand, Christian, we've already won the war. Though Satan may triumph in a battle or two, though Satan may overcome a country or twelve. He's lost the war. He lost it at the resurrection. He lost it when, when Adam and Eve fell in Genesis 3. He lost the war. And we are part of the winning side, but we don't act like it. We act like we've been defeated, and so we're silent, and so we're, we are kind of petty. When we should be loud and in charge, we should be shouting on the rooftops, the glory of our God bringing back that moral base that can only be found in Christ Jesus. And thus, we see that even though these wicked things are happening in our world and in our nation specifically today, and in our churches, first and foremost of all, they will not go unpunished. Oh, you might live at the top of your game, and you might, you might be... Uh, a happy, the happiest of all billionaires in the, in the world today with your power and control and causing all of these atrocities and difficulties and all of these things and you're above the law and people, you, you, even though you've killed American soldiers and even though you've, you've you trampled the Constitution and are guilty of even treason, you could just walk right on through your days with no restraint or constraint because... You're above the law as a politician, but guess what? God's got your number. And though because you're above the law, you don't even fear God, though you don't tremble at the presence of God in this moment and could care less if some little snot-nosed preacher from North Dakota is going to talk to you about the necessity of transforming your life into the righteousness of God, though you are so high upon yourself and above all others that you fear nothing, you will die and you will be judged. Why? Because the wicked will not go unpunished. Guys, Christians, guys, take heart. Rejoice. Jesus said, though you go through the valley of the shadow of death, do not fear, for I am with you, and be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Guys, to our last breath, we could give praise to God in this world, and no matter what they try to do to shut us up, no matter what they try to do to shut us down, no matter how they imprison us, and no matter how they might try to kill us, we can still proclaim the glory of our God because we know that at the end of all things, the judgment shall come, and these who may escape punishment by man will not be able to escape the punishment of God. So don't worry about it. Just go tell them. Just go tell them. Because look what happens to the righteous. The posterity of the righteous will be delivered. Not prosperity. This isn't a prosp. This is a post. 
The difference being is that it doesn't matter about your money. It matters about your children. It matters about your children's children. It matters about the generations that shall come after you. And as you maintain your base in Jesus Christ and you proclaim outwardly the love and power of the word of God, thus your generations shall be delivered for they shall hear the message of Messiah, the saving God of Jesus Christ and they will receive Christ as well and so from generation to generation to those who proclaim the gospel they shall be saved without question but those who join forces will be crushed <laughs> I love the word of God and let me pick on ladies for a second right here in Proverbs 11 and verse number 22. Do you see it? I mean, for me, it's right there on the screen. But for you guys, do you, do you see that? Proverbs 11, 22, let me read it to you. As a, as a ring of gold in a, in a swine's snout, <laughs> so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. Now, okay, the discretion is recognized as the gold ring. <laughs> the lack of discretion, I should say, is recognized as the gold ring. And what is the woman recognized as? <laughs> I'm glad Solomon said it. And that dude, he had enough wives and, and concubines to, to ha be able to talk about that. I, I am not, I'm, he's braver than I am. I wouldn't go there, but amen. Uh, in, in the complete Jewish Bible, it says, like a gold ring in the snout of a pig is a beautiful woman who lacks good sense. And in the English Standard Version, it says, like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. So, this concept of discretion is revealed in the, in the translation of the complete Jewish Bible is good sense or discretion. is good sense. And, and so, that, that a senseless woman... <laughs> <laughs> or or a woman who has no discretion is attributed to a swine with 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 a gold ring because the woman is beautiful to look upon the woman is fair to the sight but is is a trough of wickedness and rottenness inside of her a, a, a devilish woman as a Jezebel would be is this lovely woman who lacks good sense or discretion, and she is attributed to a swine, which is that in the Hebrew people to be most unclean, not to be touched, not to be handled, not to be even in the presence of, but to be separated from. Very important to understand why Solomon would necessarily use the swine as, a, as the example of this picture for our heart. Whereas we wouldn't care. I mean, a swine's a swine. I mean, as a Gentile people, well, we eat bacon, we eat sausage, we eat ham, we eat pig, right? I mean, we eat pork chops, we eat pig, we don't care. I mean, whatever. But to the Jew that this is written to and to the children of God that need, need to have a sense of moral base in God's word, aside from what the world would say was okay or not okay, but that God's word be the governor of our heart to decide what is okay and not okay according to scripture, that we would need to understand that the swine, which would be recognized even as this world, is something that we need to be wholly separated from, that we need to be disgusted by, because the world will present itself as gorgeous. The world will present itself like this 
This swine with a gold ring in its nose is a pretty woman without discretion. Well, the world will present itself to us as being something beautiful and something to be aspired to achieve or something to be connected to. And yet we know that the world's ends bring forth death. Right? There's a way that seems right unto a man. The, the Proverbs we'll get to here soon will teach us. But the, but the end thereof are the ways of death in that, that proverb. And so we'll understand that we really need to start approaching our thinking in a Hebrew way instead of a Roman way and think about those things which are detestable to God, which are an abomination like a perverse heart. And we need to think about those things within our own self and then decide, you know what, we've got to change some things in our life to be, to be you know, before the Lord in, in blamelessness. Elsewise, we're chasing after pigs that we don't have any business getting a hold of. The scripture goes down, and, and verse number 23 says, The desire of the righteous is only good. When your desire lines up with what God's will is in the scriptures, your desire is only going to be good because you're always going to be desiring the things that please God. But he says, The expectation of the wicked is wrath. So when your desire is not good, being on the things of the world, not on the things of God, then you're going to build up expectations of, of desire in your flesh to satisfaction of the, the senses of your flesh, the wickedness of your heart, and ultimately is going to bring wrath against you. And so in 24, he says, there's, there's one who scatters, yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but leads to poverty. And of course, this is the difference between a generous nature uh, which would be good, as found in verse 23, and which would be uh, a delight of the Lord as being righteous in, in verse 21, that this generous heart, or the one who scatters that increases, is the nature of generosity, as would be revealed in the King James Bible. It says, there is that scatters, yet increases. Then we look at the complete Jewish Bible, and it says, some give freely and still get richer, uh, the English Standard Version says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. So we get the point of the scattering as, as one would scatter the seeds. The seeds would take root and grow, and then they would increase their their withholdings from what they originally planted because of the fact that they scattered it and didn't bury it all in one hole. So this is the point. But needless to say, those who are of a generous nature will always increase. Now, this increase may not be an increase of wealth, though it's possible it could be. But in the giving of your life to to help others, whether you are wealthy and you're able to support others by helping them financially, or you have a knowledge of finances so you can take people alongside and teach them how to manage their monies to be able to come out of debt, a lot like what uh, John Maxwell does in his teachings to help people come out of debt. Or you, you are a nurse or a doctor and you give of your time and you give of your, your talents to go overseas on missions and you give of your life. Of course, you all of these different things, you're going to increase because God is going to bless the talents that he's given to you and that you exercise for his glory. He's going to bless that. And so you're going to increase. So a generous heart. And a generous nature as, as led by the Holy Spirit is always going to increase more. But 
you get this situation in verse 24 where there is one who withholds. Of course, we understand uh, the parable of the talents, right? The one that received 10, the one that received 5, and the one that received 1, right? Well, the one that received 10 increased by 10, so he had 20, right? And the Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. Then the one that received 5, well, he increased with his generosity. He increased that 5 to be now 10. And the Lord said, well done. But the one that had 1, who said, I don't want to mess this thing up and I'm not going to do anything with it. He hid that and he, and he buried it. Of course, he got in trouble for doing nothing, for not being generous. He got in trouble because he withheld even the one thing that he had to be able to give to people. He withheld that from the other people, uh, which was right to give. And he, he ended up in a poverty, didn't he? He ended up having that which he was given taken from him and given to the one that had ten. So that we understand that as if we only had one gift in this life, which would be the gift of salvation, that would be the one thing that we would need to be able to be generous with and to share with others. But that if we withhold that blessing of the gift of salvation and we never share our faith with others, that even that is something that can lead us to a poverty of having nothing at the judgment of the church. Would hay stubble would be the end result not gold, silver, and precious stones for the fire that we must walk through. But in that we had salvation, and through that we generously gave it to everyone that we could possibly give it to by any means necessary, that we would see souls come to faith in Jesus through our testimony, and that they would become children of God along with us. When we went to heaven, we would have multitudes of treasure because of all of the lives of those who had come to heaven with us because of our testimony. We would indeed be wealthy and increased all the more. And so would God's kingdom. Something to think about, isn't it? Well, needless to say, uh, I've got to be done uh, for a day. We're at the 40-minute mark here, and I really like to try and get done with that. But I just want to bring you to this position of verse number 29, finish, and then if you have questions, you can ask them, and I'll try and answer them throughout the week. But uh, in verse number 29, he says, He who troubles his own house will inherit the wind. Guys, that, that's a powerful statement, isn't it? And the fool will, will be servant to the wise of heart. He who troubles his own house will inherit the wind. What kind of a wind will he inherit? Well, as being a troubler of the house, as being, as being chaotic with the house, as setting rules and not keeping them, as, as not having any rules, but then, then fussing at people because they, they broke a rule they didn't know or, or changing things up and constantly in a fluctuation. And, and ultimately, the troubler of their own house is the person who is an abomination because their heart is perverse in its ways and that they are a, a people that is recognized as, as the wicked at this point. And so when one is wicked within the confines of their own house, the inheritance of the wind is the reality that you can't you can't inherit the wind. You can't hold the wind. You can't you can't control the wind. And a household of children that are out of control is a household that has inherited the wind. And a relationship between a husband and wife that is not but chaos and war is, is a relationship that is on fire of the wind. And so when one's heart is, is perverse and when one is, is set to wickedness and they have not sought the righteousness of God nor be found blameless as, as being before him, 
and holiness, then we discover from those first verses of 20 to 24 that you come down to this point and the inheritance of the wind is the destruction and poverty of of those that, that have withheld from each other, of those that have withheld from their home, of those that have withheld from God their heart. And thus they have not but the destruction of hurricanes and tornadoes and and all kinds of fire sails, everything else. They inherited the wind and it destroyed them because they had not surrendered to Christ. It's something to think about. So praise God. Uh, the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life and he that wins souls is wise. So get out there, guys, in the wisdom that you have received today and understanding and go win some souls to Christ and be wise in the ways of God. <laughs> Father, we thank you and praise you for this day, for the blessing we are able to have together. We pray that you will watch over us and keep us and cause thy face to shine upon us, that we may be your servants, receiving of your wisdom and executing the work that you have for our hearts to do. We'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name this day. Amen. All right, guys, God bless you. Keep you a causes face to shine upon you. And I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. We're going to be going uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. And it's going to be an exciting ride. So just join us and it'll be well. And y'all take good care. We'll see you.